Well, good morning, everybody. It's Bo, and I wanted to welcome each of you to Thousand Hills Ranch Church. Heather and I are actually in Amarillo this weekend. We always uh, take a trip in November to the WRCA finals, and so that's where we're at this morning. Uh, but we are so glad you decided to join us at Thousand Hills this morning. I want to introduce our speaker for today. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He is a mentor of mine. He has uh, passed on more wisdom than he could ever imagine um, in my life. And as uh, a pastor, he is such a, a valuable asset to me as a friend and a just a, just a mentor. And so I just want to um, introduce him to you today. His name is Tony King. Uh, he worked at Barnine Cowboy Church for a few years and helped them to become the great church that they are. They run over 1,200 people and have just done some amazing things. They got a covered arena, all kinds of cool stuff. And so uh, that's just part of his life. He actually now, he owns a business, uh, has a, over 100 employees underneath him, has three or four offices all across Texas. Um, but that's the stuff that he does. I want to tell you about who he is. He's a great man of God. He loves Jesus. Um, he shows it in his life. He shows it in his business. He shows it in his marriage and, and how he's raised his daughter. And, and so that's the man that I'm the most proud of. And I'm looking forward to hearing his story when I get back. But I am excited that you get to hear him today. So I want you to put your hands together for my friend, Tony King. Good morning. I'm going to try to get this in the right spot. Um, if we could, let's, let's, uh, let's start off the day. And uh, if, if we could, I'd like to have our veterans that are present. If you would, please stand for us, please. If you will stay stay standing, and uh, like for the rest of us, if we could, let's let's stand and join them in gratitude of their service. Your uh, your service words can't do justice for the sacrifices that you've made. So, uh, hats off to you. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we lift up the veterans and what they've done and what they've sacrificed so that we can have the country that we have to live in, Lord, and enjoy what we have. Lord, I pray for them. I pray for their lives. I pray for the ones that didn't come home. I pray for their families. Lord, I pray for the ones that, that came home that just want to be able to go and enjoy their family, to be able to just go in a noisy restaurant and, just enjoy it like the rest of us or like they used to i pray that we have compassion for them we understand their pain and that we can learn how to cope and they can lord i pray for peace and i pray that you just uh, allow them to live life live it abundantly In jesus name amen thank you you made me sit Well, Bo, uh, Bo kind of laid it out there, but he, what he didn't tell you is uh, I'm a, I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. I'm, a, I'm really not equipped to be 
the guy out front standing and talking, looking at you. So uh, you, you're going to have to just tolerate that part. You're here now. I don't think you can get out without being too obvious that you're sliding out. Um, today, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're going to talk about giving. As you see, the slide says, easy as possible, firm as necessary. Life, life can be tough, but it can be easy. And when you read the scripture and you realize Jesus came here, he died to make life easier for us. And he wants us to have a life and live it abundantly. So even though it can be tough, it can all be used for his glory. And uh, I, I want us to uh, never lose sight of that while we're speaking today. Because, you know, everybody everybody goes through tough times, and but it's uh, it can be worked together for, for good. Um, I uh, giving is a tough subject to talk about because immediately what comes to mind is that uh, well all the church wants is my money. So preachers really have a hard time talking about giving, but I think when we start talking about giving, the money is the simple part. There's a much deeper part of giving in life that don't involve the money that has more results than the money. The money is just the first act of obedience that we learn. And if we'll do that, it gets us off going on the right track. Uh, if we can look at our first scripture, which would be uh, Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Church is a storehouse. You're the body, you're the people, and you're also the life that brings the life into the storehouse. The life we live when we walk away from here is what other people see, and that's how they learn that it's not all the church wants is my money. They learn it's real, it's real people trying to do real things, trying to help others. And it really, it really gets us in a frame of mind to understand giving. And uh, so as hard as it is to talk about giving, the money's the easy, easy deal. Um, when we start looking into it and uh, we look at Jesus and his life on earth, um, when he was asked what's the most important commandment and uh, we find out that he says is love your neighbors yourself we look in James 2 8 it says if you really keep the royal law found in the scripture love your neighbor as yourself you're doing right it's all about love it's all about condition of our heart and how we handle that so uh when we're talking about giving there has to be awareness and awareness is going to come in some different forms to you uh, you're going to see it you're going to hear it or you're going to learn it 
comes at us all the time. That awareness is happening nonstop every day. It goes on and on and on and on. How we process that, how we came about getting that awareness, we just have to be sensitive enough to get it, to hear it, feel it, and then do something. So as we learn that awareness is out there all the time, the next thing we got to do is recognize our role, which we're going to see in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of us should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What you have decided in your heart to give is very, very key. So when you're recognizing your role after you've been made aware, is your role come through the giving of your tithe to make it available for other people to do what needs to be done? Is it your giving of your talents that God has blessed you with to use? Or is it to give of your time? The time is, seems to be one of the m- most difficult things to give because of our busy schedules. We, we live a very, very busy life. And time is precious to all of us, and it's the hardest thing to give. But after we've had awareness, and then we recognize our role, we have to decide do we act or not. That's where life is happening by the second. Because whether we acknowledge that we have awareness, it's going on. And what we do affects not only our own life, but all the people we come into contact with. Those choices, the timing, it's, it's interacting with so many people in other situations. But yet through it all, God can work and make it all to his good. But sometimes the time in between can get, can get really tough. Um, I, I had an awareness when, when I was a young married person. I grew up in uh, in a very rural community in a very country church. Was saved in a in a country Baptist church, real small one. And when I was married and uh, young married, we went to we went to town and went to a pretty big church for our rural community, a First Baptist church there. We had an amazing pastor there. Um, he was a very evangelical guy he was a retired missionary but he was he was so down to earth just a country boy he was a one-armed kind of a cowboy preacher but he was in a downtown church and he spoke he could just connect to every social walk of life that there was and it was amazing I knew it was amazing. You could feel it. We 
we had amazing things happen. We were very involved as a couple and as a family. And uh, I, I knew I'm experiencing something that's very, very unique. And I don't know how many people ever get to personally experience that. And, and, and in my own thought process, I'm thinking this is something that it's a lifetime experience that many generations probably have not experienced what, what I'm getting to actually be a part of and experience. So uh, I was aware that God could work in a mighty way. Um, but I also felt I was kind of doing doing what I was called to do there. And, uh, you know, as life evolves and things change in our lives, we have to always have that awareness that there's change going on. And just because we did something doesn't mean, hey, you're up on that shelf now. Remember, I'm going to use that as a trophy. You've done this. You were there. So go live happily ever after. He always wants us to grow and keep going. He's not done with any of us, ever, never. So I learned as my family was involved there that uh, God could work in miraculous ways. As my family grew and my daughter got older, we had a hard time keeping her connected at church. It wasn't that she didn't want to go, but she just didn't have that social connection with those kids as she was getting older. And I was getting pretty busy personally. We had a business where we were uh, customizing trucks and doing uh, custom living quarters and horse traders, and I was traveling all over the country selling trucks and trailers. So I was gone a lot. And my wife was always saying, well, it's just she's, she just has to be encouraged to go. She said, maybe we need to go somewhere else. Well, remember, we, we, were, we had been in this miraculous, wonderful experience at church as a couple. So I'm like, well, why don't we want to go somewhere else? This, she was like, well, you know, if that's what, if we need to get her connected, we need to do what we do to help her be connected. So... You know, I was like, oh, well, okay, if that's what, what, if that's what she needs, that's what we need to do. Well, while I was gone a lot, they would visit other churches and say, well, it was, it was good, but that, I, you know, I don't know. And uh, not too long after that period of true focus that our daughter needed to be connected, I was approached by some guys that had been praying for a couple of years, not with, with, with me in their group, but we had all been in church together at that Baptist church. But I was approached by some guys that I know really well that said, we feel like we need to start a cowboy church in our local community. And uh, he said, uh, we need you to help us do that. Point blank, face-to-face, -face, no gray areas, no way to step around. I was point blank asked, we need you to help us do that. Without even hearing any more details, I gave him a very professional answer. 
I said, I don't have time, but I will support you. I'll back you. I'll do everything I can for you. But I don't have time for what you would want me to do. Because I I know these guys. I mean, they don't, if they're going to come and say, we need you, you better figure out what you're going to do because it's not like you're going to meet once a month. It's fixing to be all day starting today. So I was quick to say, I don't have time, but I will support you. I think it's great. I think we need it. All of this. So they they get started. Pretty much that was the last that I was point blank confronted with that. And, again, I was on the road a lot at that time. And uh, my wife and daughter were involved in a lot of these little meetings. They'd get together and have these things, trying to get something started. And uh, they, they somewhat kind of got the group organized and had a, had a little deal going for a little while. And uh, my wife would tell me how good it was. And she was like, man, Hillary's, she's, she seems to, she's fitting with this. Because during, during our, her growing up time, like I say, we were, we're, we're a rural community, but when we went to town to go to church, there was enough of that social group in town. She just didn't really fit. She was, she raised livestock and showed them and she was showing horses. And it was like her life just wasn't close enough aligned with those kids. So when the church group got started for the cowboy church, she was like, it was like, it was right up her alley. She was busy. She was working, helping organize stuff for the nursery and, uh, just in working with the kids and the youth and right involved with them, just we couldn't have been happier, but I wasn't really involved. And, uh, fast forward just a little bit of time, about seven months later, one night I was, uh, I was in my shop by myself working because I had basically had to close the business down, let go of all the employees. A friend of mine in the oil field had gave me a job that I could work a 12-hour shift during the day, and he said, at night, you can uh, go do what you need to do to wrap your stuff up there at your shop. Because I had, through the grace of God, I had been able to find another tenant to take over that lease at that facility. But uh, that story, some more of that story is through a very unfortunate circumstance with some day labor. Had a day labor employee that got hurt helping us uh, move a paint booth from one building to another. And time went on, a few months had went by, getting this guy healed up and paid his bills and he had worked for us for one day, and we paid him for months from that day forward, just like an employee, just to try to get him get him going. And I uh, didn't have insurance on those guys. Well, anyway, uh, the lawsuit came, and my attorney said, the guy that got injured is not really the problem, but his attorney is positioning himself for a political position potentially in the Senate, and he's really trying to make a name for himself for his people. 
And he said, you're just going to be an example. He's going to break you. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, well, can't we just go try to be straight up with them and try to just make a deal? He was like, we'll try. They wouldn't hear it. So back to me, I let everybody go. But I had a plan. I had a guy in the oil field said, come on, go to work. Get after it. So I was like, okay, we can get through this. We can get back on our feet. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. I, me. Hmm. So I'm standing in there that night working. I'm on a ladder. And within a split second, all those plans that are in my head come down to me on the ground. The ladder had fell with me, and I broke both of my ankles just like that. First time in my life I knew I can't. Because I've always been, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can. Just move, I will. I immediately could not. I tried to shake it off for a while. Finally got, I called my wife. I was able to get a hold of her. Told her what had happened. She gets me to the hospital. I'm in the hospital. And the doctor's looking at these x-rays and all this stuff. And I'm trying to tell her, well, I need I need my computer and I need this because i got to get this ready for work tomorrow and this report's got to be done and i got to get this sent to whoever's going to be taking my place in the morning. And the doctor's like, you don't have time for that. We, you got other things you're fixing to tend to. I'm like, well, I, this is, i got to do this, i got to do that. He's like, I'm telling you, you don't have time for any of that. So I... Uh, I had to receive this the, the tough news of, he said, for about a month, you're not going to be able to get on your feet at all. I was like, oh, no, you give me some crutches. He said, no, about a month before you're going to get on your feet at all. He said, you can either do that, and it'll be a month, or you can do it your way, and you'll fight this for years and years before you get over it, if you ever do. I said, okay. So... The next morning in the hospital, my friend walked in and said, uh, you know, what's going on? What do you need? And my pride, I'm just like, well, uh, you know, this happened and this is what's going on. And I wouldn't tell him what I needed. But I told him what was happening and what I was doing. And So anyway, he's like, man, that's just, man, that's bad. That's, I hate that. So he walks out the door. He's talking to my wife. Anyway, she comes back in. Well, the very next day, um, my wife says, you know, everybody at the church went to your shop and got it all cleaned out. It's done. It's like, wow, there's no way. She's like, yeah, it's done. They're finished. Wow. You know, what, what I'd been working for weeks on by myself, I was like, it's going to take me another, you know, forever to get this done. They did it in a half a day. It was done. Gone. So, with a month that I couldn't get up, and by the way, the guy that came in and saw me at the hospital and asked, what do you need, is the guy that said, we need you to help us. Same guy. So I'm like, okay, 
what, what's going on with the cowboy church deal, I asked him. And he told me. And there were some challenges there, just trying to get truly organized to be able to get going. I said, well, what can I do to help? All I have is time. It's all I've got. So through the work of God in a, in a very short period of time, we found a little building to meet in. And at the time, get in your mind, there's about 12 people really trying to organize this. And, it, and every Sunday we was meeting in a, in a guy's house. He had a rent house that was empty, and we were meeting in there to have, have worship. Well, anyway, we found an old convenience store gas station that we could rent. And we said, you know, if we had to, we could probably put 100 chairs in that building. So we signed us like a two-year lease on this. And the, the irony of the whole deal is of that little building was a convenience store that this guy, his dad, used to own. And there was a robbery had taken place there when he owned it as a convenience store. And there was a, some gunfire taking place, bullet ricocheted off the counter, the, the hole in the counter and all, and the wall is still there and all that. But anyway, at the moment in time we leased the building, it was a Muslim guy owned the place. It had been vacant and shut up for years. And uh, they were like, well, oh, uh, we were talking about the building, and uh, they was like, well, oh, uh, Skandar Akbar owns that. He's not going to let us have it for a church. He's not going to do it. So we went over and talked to this guy, told him what we wanted to do, and believe it or not, he said, it's yours. Y'all lease it. I'll lease it to you. So that was a really a work of the Lord right there. But uh, we leased that little building, and within, I mean, weeks, to our amazement, that building was packed, and there would be people standing outside. We had the windows open. We had the doors open to try to hear church. Can you talk about a humbling feeling? But we immediately knew that what we were thinking, God had different plans, so far out of the scale of what we were prepared for. So, uh, you know, um, the way the way that the progress came, it was none of us are responsible for any of that at all. But the timing that it came. The tithes that came, the talent that came, and the time that was given, it, it was truly miraculous of biblical proportions. And uh, with just the willingness of people to work and serve and give and do, we were able to see that turn into a facility within about four years, you know, to handle 1,200 people on Sunday, had a, a covered arena and activities just much more so than what we were capable of doing or be responsible for it's truly the lord and it is so um 
you just can never forget, though, I, I had to go back and remember, as a young married couple, I experienced church at a level that I thought no one has ever in my lifetime got the chance to experience this. But as time evolved, I got busy, and then I didn't have time when I had awareness through some events that happened when that, as that original slide showed, as firm as necessary stepped in, it can get tough. I didn't have time for what God needed me to have time for. My schedule got arranged where I did have that time. But I'm thankful for that. I mean, it it, it had to happen. So um, through the growth, unbelievable growth at Barnum Cowboy Church, I really learned that, God, your plan's so big, I, I just don't even know where it's at. I don't, I don't, under, I don't, I don't know, you know. Um, my oil field work that, that originally I was going to do to be able to keep moving and get back on our feet, surfaced back, uh, was working there, had hired a guy to work with me, and uh, things had gotten real busy, and we were we had attempted to purchase that company and uh my partner said i want to i want to have a company like this that will be good for our employees cuz the oil field's tough most of y'all know it it's tough and uh what our part of the oil field is extremely tough because of the schedules cuz our guys they work very very secluded they work on location for weeks sometimes months but they work a schedule of 21 days on and seven days off and so we we wanted to try to have a way to just try to be good to those guys it's a tough tough life and they sacrifice a lot to do it but uh our plan to try to purchase that company didn't work out so we had we did start, and I told him, you don't want to start from scratch. It's it'd be the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. It's tough. And he said, I want to do it. I want I want to do it, and I want us to be good to the people, good to the employees, and try to be good for their lives. And uh, so that got going in uh, 2011. And again, out of no. No reasoning of mine, but God has blessed us tremendously. And uh, I, my involvement has worked into now my role is I do I do corporate stuff. We, we handle all the office stuff and the books. But when, I, when I'm out on the road, which I do make a lot of miles, I, uh, I give out these books. I've got a brown one and a pink one. But inside, it's the same. It's the same words. Um, in the table of contents, first page of the table of contents is just by it's, it's by categories: adultery, infidelity, alcohol and drug abuse, anger, communication, conflict resolution, confrontation, decision making, depression, divorce, employment, ethics, integrity several pages of of these so when you get into the book 
there's uh you look up what that subject is and you turn to it fear there's going to be about five or six pages talks to you about fear uh whatever your subject is and then there's 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 kind of a daily devotion that goes with it ties to it then there's some scriptures in there with it also a lot of people that I come in contact with in the oil field are not church people, weren't raised church people, or else were raised and got out of it as quick as they could. They live a hard life. These subjects in this book are brutal to people and families of the oil field that are separated for long times. They make good money, but their lives fall apart they really come apart then their work leaves them because of that usually then they come back to what they knew that made them money and they get right back in that cycle again and it it that's what i have experienced in my partner when we wanted to have something that could be good to these guys they live such a tough life that just repeats so I give these books out to a lot of people that I barely know. Maybe meet you the first time and the Lord has somehow allowed me to hear. And I hear, I hear, I don't know how, but I hear it. I, I might meet somebody for the first time and in two minutes I I know there's there's something tough there. I give these books, may not see them people for a little while. But the next time that I see them, a lot of times, there's a lot of scripture in those chapters that backs it up. The next time I see those people, they'll say, you know that book you gave me? I say, yeah. Those scriptures are in there? I say, yep. They'll say, what about that Bible? Because it's all in the Bible. They asked for it. But I've been blessed with opportunity to start them with something that's not so evasive, like the church that just wants their money. We just want to give you something to help. And if we can help you, that's our duty. That's that's giving. That's real giving. And it's everywhere. All of us come into contact with people every day that are unique to only you. And you know you you know a lot of these people, and you don't know some of them, but you know everybody lives life, and it's tough. It don't matter who they are. There's tough things that come through life. And so many people have a perception of church that's not good. We've got to somehow be that light that's away from that church building, that's in real life, that they say, I need a little more than that little bit I got there. There's got to be more. And when we can do that, it's it's happening. Because through it all and through mercy and grace, 
God allows us sometimes to get to repeat those missteps that we were aware of that we passed on. And thank God for it. That he's non-judgmental and he allows us to come back and get right back in the game wherever we left off. Um, Ephesians 5.20, I, I need to pick that up right quick. It says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Life can be tough, real tough, but it can all work to his good. And uh, the scripture that I really struggled with this week, whether to bring it up or not, um, people that know me well, I'm accused of, uh, of being old school, um, hardcore. Um, so I always think, well, the New Testament's a great book. It's got a lot of good guidance in it, but the Old Testament's original guide before the before the simple life got here. So what's the old book? What's the old book say about giving and what we do? So, Numbers fourteen eighteen it says, The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sins of the parent to the third and fourth generation. That'll sober you up right there. Thank God Jesus came and made it much simpler than the old days. Because in the old days, it was an eye for an eye. You get busted in the mouth for just saying something wrong. We live in a very gracious time that God allows us to give of our talents, our tithes, and our time. We just have to recognize those opportunities, and then act on them. And if we don't, and then we realize we didn't, and it resurfaces, don't be afraid to get back in the game. Old Slick will tell you, nah, you you can't do that. But you can. God lets us come back clean and say, let's go. Let's go. Thank God for that. And thank you for listening to me today. And I'm always motivated to hear what Bo has to say about you guys here at Thousand Hills. What you're doing. What's yet to come as a group. You're, you're sowing seed that you never know who's going to get to see it be harvested. But you're sowing seeds every day. And it's so exciting to hear it, to feel it, and to see it. So uh, I thank you again for Bo allowing me to come here and share with you today. Because like I say, I'm a very, very behind-the-scenes guy. Uh, don't like to be out front at all. But uh, I, I thank you for your tolerance to hear me. And I pray that the Lord can speak to you. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, today's a great day to do it. There's a... There's a lot of things in store for you. And uh, if today's that day, we'd be glad to pray with you to do that.
and uh, if you need to just talk and visit, if there's there's something going on that we need to talk about, I'm here. I'm a good listener. As you know, I'm not a good speaker, but I'm a good listener. So uh, thank you all again. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right quick. Lord, we come to you. I thank you, Lord. You're a mighty, amazing God. And you want us to live life and live it abundantly, Lord. And we pray that uh, that we will be uh, good stewards and that we will learn how to give and that our condition of our heart will be pure and clean and that you'll be able to use us. Lord, I pray for Thousand Hills here, and I just pray that uh, you continue to bless them. Let them continue to organize and do your work, Lord. And I pray that you bless their efforts and you prepare them for the the harvest that's upon them right now and for the one that's yet to come. And, Lord, I still believe into the third and fourth generation, Lord. It's amazing work that's been started, and you don't give up on folks or their efforts. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.